0: you <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to One Control Podcast, episode 182. I'm Benjamin Yoder here today to talk to you about video games. If you uh, live in the U.S., happy post-Thanksgiving. If you didn't know, on Thursday in the U.S. we had Thanksgiving. So, um, or yeah, Thursday. Um, but I actually did my Thanksgiving on Wednesday. So I went to my dad's house and had a very small dinner. It was just my dad and my stepmom uh, for my Thanksgiving dinner. And then, and then Thursday I just kind of hanged out on my own as well as Friday. My main goal with Thursday and Friday was to just play a lot of Xenoblade Chronicles X. And whether I succeeded or not is kind of another thing. But uh, but I did put a good like 12 to 15 hours in, which is which I think is a, a nice chunk of time for me. When I play JRPGs, I typically um, kind of stretch them out these days. I, I don't like it, but that's just kind of how it is. Um, and, and I had gotten probably about another 15 hours into that game over the last month and a half. So in total, I was at like 45 hours. Um, and now I'm at like a, a little under the 60 hour mark, I believe. So I might put another like three to four hours in just to kind of, you know, push forward a little bit more and just kind of get a nice cutoff point because I will probably put this game on hold again for, for another couple months here and then go focus on other things. And, um, you know, I've, I've talked about this game a lot over the years. And and if you don't know, you know, I'll probably have something where I eventually kind of fully some of my thoughts about the game. Although I did write an article a long time ago in like 2015 or 20. 16 uh about about kind of my experience with that game up to the hundred hour mark. Um because I, I I've probably mentioned this before, but i I lost my hundred-hour save file right before I beat the game. So I was like, ah, and being a big Monolith soft fan, I feel like I have to beat it. So that's kind of why I've undergoed this 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 suffering yet again. <laughs> um but yeah, you know, j- just to kind of sum up my biggest issues with the game probably um is just the fact that it is a big open world game. And, and, you know, I'm not a huge big open world fan, so I have a lot of problem with the structure of that game overall and just this feeling of progression that I feel like a lot of times you don't know, kind of, you don't really get a good feeling for how far you are in the game or anything like that. It just kind of feels like you're doing a grind and you're just kind of, you know, turning the gears of the game and you're like, I have no idea where I am in this story plot or where I'm going or what, what this, like, you know, path to the finish even looks like. I'm just... Doing one thing at a time, you know, just like one can do this side quest or this little Nopon lost their, their cargo to a bird. I'm gonna go kill that bird, get the thing and then turn it in and be like, all right, what's next? <laughs> um, it's very Western RPG ish. And I'll kind of, I'll probably talk a little bit about that and in, in, in a little bit here actually. But, um, but, but my biggest issues probably that I just continue to struggle with are things like um, one of the kind of the key things in the Xenoblade series that I personally don't like, but there is a fan base who do enjoy, there's a part of the fan base that does enjoy this is like the mixing of high level monsters and low level monsters. So you'll go do like a level 32 quest or something. And then the monsters for that level 32 quest will be sitting right beside monsters who are level like 45 or 50. Um, And this is also like really troublesome for how the quest system in Xenoblade Chronicles X work where you will, you'll start a quest and then um, you basically can't do anything else um, um, until you complete that quest, at least in terms of like major story content or anything, so it's like if you get to a position where it's like you're fighting level forty five monsters and you're level thirty, and like, well, I gotta grind out fifteen levels. um there's often restrictions on who can be in your party at that time, uh there's restriction on what kind of go missions you can go take after that, so you're just in this state of just like you cannot progress Uh, or not that you cannot progress but the 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 ways you want to progress may be limited and it might get in the way of you building your characters in the way you want to or at least like like leveling up relationships and things like that so it's just it's just a little frustrating unfortunately Um, there's a lot of things in that game that i think are are just a little frustrating there's add up to be a lot that game is a, a desperately need or was in desperate need of a patch um, but that just kind of never got, I think they did get like one or two patches, but it never really addressed a lot of the major issues of that game. I don't think that l- enemy level thing would, would have, uh, mattered all that much, but, um, I, yeah, I, I don't think they would have changed that. Cause that's a very Xenoblade Chronicles things to do, but there's a lot of other things like with just the user interface, how the party system works, how the mission system works that I think, uh, generally would have, um, benefited from like, another pass over it basically and i hope if they do bring it to switch at some point that they do kind of resolve the those issues but um but we'll see i don't know i i I think they will bring it to switch just because everything else that came out on the wii u came out on the uh, the the switch as well but there's a lot of gamepad related features that might be difficult to translate or at least i'll have to find a new way to translate them and um you know i don't know if monolith soft would want to be directly involved with that or if it would be a case where like you know xenoblade chronicles 1 was ported to um to the Nintendo 3ds by our monster games um so if they'd be willing to let another team do that or do some kind of like partnership kind of thing I mean Xenoblade Chronicles 1 was completely remade essentially not completely remade but they they did a lot of work on Xenoblade Chronicles 1 um when they brought that to Switch so I wouldn't be surprised if they want to do something similarly with Xenoblade Chronicles X at some point my only hope is that if they add new story content and like significant new story content that they add a way for you to um, do that without playing the main game again, because as somebody who really didn't have that much of an interest in playing the original Xenoblade Chronicles, I was super thankful when uh, in the Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition they included that future connected storyline. And in that future connected storyline, they they let you jump straight to it, so you didn't have to go play the main story to do that. So if they if they do add something like that, if they do like a re release of Xenoblade Chronicles X on the Switch, I would love. If they make it easier or maybe some way you could import your safe all over. I highly doubt that's the case because I imagine those kind of ties would need to be built into the Wii U version of the game at that point. Um, but, but yeah. So anyways, that happened. Um, I'll probably put another like three or four hours in maybe here in the short term and then just kind of put it back on my shelf and we'll, we'll get back to it. Um, there actually was um, a, just kind of coincidentally, there was a Kotaku article that came out, um, I believe on, on... You know, sometime this week, I don't remember what day actually. But anyways, um, they, they kind of had an article that was about the history of, of Monolith Soft and talking about kind of the struggles that company had over the years. Uh, if you don't know, Monolith Soft, you know, largely made up of a bunch of old X square Enix people who were working on, um, you know, Final Fantasy and then made Xenogears and then went off and made their own company with Xenosaga. And if you want to know the full story in detail, I'll, I have that talk article linked in the, um, the description here. Um, the big thing is, and and I think the story up to Xenoblade is very strong overall, or, or at least the article is very good at portraying that that kind of early tumultuous period for for Monolith Soft um, um, before Xenoblade. I think the part that the article kind of fails to really deliver on, and and maybe this just wasn't the point of the article or something. And I, I kind of mentioned this on on Twitter a little bit was they they kind of get up to Xenoblade Chronicles X. And they're just like, man, this game, or like, like they, they really pushed themselves with this game. And, and for some reason, they were like, oh, but then it's also like, them trying to you know be a leader in the rpg genre and create some some new type of rpg for for that but then they also mentioned this in the article i know this is probably all over the place sorry um, but but so they're like talking about like oh you know the fact that Xenoblade chronicles x is this big open world thing and it's super ambitious and they're like hey we're gonna have online multiplayer and things like that um, and it also kind of talks about the fact that a lot of those things weren't delivered on, but it just kind of like glosses over it. Like, oh, these things didn't happen. <laughs> it, like, it like doesn't really criticize the game at all in in a way, which is kind of weird. It was just kind of like, oh, this game is great. Also, the story, as far as, you know, the story is basically incomplete from my understanding. Um, I have not gotten to the end of that game to say what that means or if it's really incomplete or if it's just you know, it leaves like a, a like the space for a sequel, or if it's like the story just stops or something, right? Um, but but uh, the other thing that they kind of talked about was just that, like this was, was driving this game was driving RPGs forward in a time that like um, JRPGs were kind of like <laughs> not doing. Not doing so well, I guess you could say. At least in, like, the Western perspective, JRPGs weren't really, or or really loved so much until probably a little bit after Xenoblade Chronicles X. I feel like, I feel like, uh, really the U.S. fell back in love with, with Japanese games around, like, 2015, 2016. Probably 2016 specifically, I feel like. Um... But then like in the article, they also mentioned this. And this is something I mentioned all the time about Xenoblade Chronicles X is that there's literally just a quote out there of Model of Soft being like, yeah, we want to make a Bethesda game. So, so it's like, how can you be a leader if in the RPG genre, if your goal is to make a Bethesda game, right? Um, because then that means Bethesda is the leader and you're just kind of falling afterwards. And you can definitely see the influence. And obviously Bethesda is not a Japanese RPG maker. So I guess you could say, you know, in the, the JRPG sense, they're trying to be a leader there. Um, but the game is just kind of, incomplete and and kind of a mess and they, they just kind of kind of gloss over that in the in the article and then they don't really talk about Xenoblade chronicles 2 other than the fact that it sold well which you know if you know me and this is the big thing about me sorry i, I hate it whenever i get on like these rants about like model of soft i love model of soft they're a great developer they're my favorite developer but Xenoblade chronicles 2 is a mess of a game uh, it's a good game but it's a mess uh, and and just like not really talking about You know, kind of the developmental issues that these games have. There's even like you know public talking about from these developers about how these projects kind of went sour, what they had to cut, and thing like that. And then just kind of in in that article on like, and everything's great, and Monolith Soft's a great developer now, which you know I love Monolith Soft, but but their last two games have been kind of like, I don't know. It makes me wonder if, and I mentioned this in the Xenoblade Chronicles Torna review, I think. I was just like, it makes me really wonder like if they really learned any lessons when they created Xenoblade Chronicles 1 or if they just kind of happened onto that because with Xenoblade Chronicles 1, they were like really pulling away from kind of the 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 goal of what like the Xeno series was of just like, we have to make some massive universe thing where this this game fits within the puzzle piece of this giant image kind of thing and um and it doesn't really <laughs> like and and xenoblade chronicles 1 fits really well because it doesn't try to do that and then every game after that tries to like fit itself in some massive story or in the case of xenoblade chronicles x it it tells it tells a story well beyond what it's capable of doing um and and then ends up kind of faltering in that regard so i don't know i, d- I don't really believe the Personally, I don't really believe the narrative that Model Soft is like suddenly this amazing developer who makes like AAA great games all the time. Um, If anything, I think Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is like the most 2005 video game they've made in a long time. Um, But again, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just looking at that conversation that they have about those games in the article. It's a little like, I don't know. I feel like they could have done more to get a more rounded view of what those games are thank you for listening to me rant about monolith soft i feel like i do this every six months (laughs) here we are it's like monolith soft and Nier are like the two games that i'm gonna vomit about every single time it comes up and then and then basically probably say the same things over and over and over again i also played another video game um and i actually played this on 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 thursday so if you didn't know, when I tried to stream Quest 64, I was having problems with my Nintendo 64, unfortunately. Uh, basically, any game I put into it would freeze in about 20 minutes to an hour, um, sometimes shorter. And so I was just like, well, what's the problem? So I like swapped out the expansion pack on the Nintendo 64 with the original jumper pack to see if maybe that RAM was bad. Still had the issues. Swapped out the power cable. Still had issues. Um, and so I was just like, well, maybe it's the console itself. So I, I went and bought a new... Uh, Nintendo 64, old, new Nintendo 64. So it is a used one. Um, and I went to, I went to a local shop actually. I I usually don't do that for this kind of stuff, but I don't know. Like I, especially with like, you know, the the coronavirus stuff going on, I kind of feel like I probably should support them more than I that I, you know, have actively kind of not done in the past either, but I, I probably should just to help, help them out kind of thing. And so the store I went to that I actually liked by me, um, unfortunately they had sold their last 64 that morning. So I was a little disappointed. It was like, I think it was like 80 bucks or something. And I don't know what the condition was. Maybe it was, you know, in good condition or maybe it was kind of beat up. I don't know. Um, and so when I was there and, and I tried to, whenever I go to a game store leave with something at the least. Um, so the things I, I did go ahead and grab, Um, from that other store before I got Nintendo 64, I got a copy of Alleyway for the Game Boy. um, as well as, uh, this game and Alleyway, like I just saw Alleyway when I was talking about Super Mario Land and I was just looking at some footage, like this looks all right. This looks like a fun thing to spend a little bit of time with. He has a Game Boy launch title. Um, and the other thing I got was Mountain Sports, which I haven't played this yet, but, um, Mountain Sports, it's like the big reason I picked it up is because the box art looks like a Whiskey ripoff and the in-game visuals look nothing like the box art. The box art looks like some kind of knockoff Whiskey, where the in-game graphics look nothing like Whiskey. And then, if you look online, you can actually find the original box art for this game, which matches the original, um, um, or matches the graphics in the game as well. So it's just like this really odd thing that's like maybe they weren't trying to rip off Whiskey, but who boy, does it seem like it! Like even the main character has a very similar aesthetic. Um, so if you haven't looked at it yet, I'll link, a, I'll link a picture. I think I posted it on, um, Twitter. I'll link my Twitter post about it. Um, and, and how I, you know, I put them side by side. You can kind of see and then see the original box out as well, but ooh, I got that. So I bought it. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have, but it was like, you know, five bucks or something. So I was like, sure, why not? Um, so I picked it up and maybe we'll check it out for a couple minutes to make sure it's nothing like whiskey. But as far as I can tell, it's just like kind of a. Olympic sports kind of game instead. Um, So anyway, so they didn't have Nintendo 64, so I went to the other game store. Um, And I don't like this game store as much because I feel like every time I go in there, there's like (sighs) something, I don't know. It's like, I get in these like really weird I don't know if passive aggressive conversations with the person behind the counter all the time there. Uh, It's different people all the time. So I don't know if it's like a culture thing. And I only have this problem here. Um, But like, so I got my 60 or they had a bunch of 64. So I just went and grabbed one of those and I was like, can I get a, they force you to buy a controller with it. So like, can I get a first party controller? And they were like, sure. So they gave me a, a a blue controller. Um, So I got that and it is a first party controller for sure. Uh, the big thing is, is that the analog stick on it was replaced with one of those GameCube-style analog sticks rather than Nintendo 6, like, the original analog stick. Um, and I noted that because I was like, ah, like, maybe I don't really care so much about getting the controller if that's the case. And maybe I'll, you know, go elsewhere or something and, and maybe just get the console if I can do that or, or something because I didn't really want this controller per se. Um, and they got into, I don't know, they, they started getting like really defensive about these analog sticks, which if you don't know, the Nintendo 64 analog stick situation is not great in general. Basically, the analog sticks are very uh, prone to wearing down over time. I don't think any of my 64 analog sticks work perfectly anymore. Um, I could be wrong about that, but, but I, I know the one I'm using right now is is not amazing, but it's good enough. But, like, these replacement analog sticks, like this GameCube one that I got on this controller, um, they don't have the same, like, sensitivity or, or in some ways, like, analog nature to them. Like, the GameCube one, if I recall correctly, the big issue with this one is that basically it feels like you're doing a digital analog input. So, it's like you're moving your character, but, like, as you move the stick around, it doesn't react to the angle changes. So, it feels more like using a D-pad on an analog stick than it does an actual... Um, an actual Nintendo 64 controller, unfortunately. So yeah, I I need to look in to see if there's been any developments there. I know there's like one other alternative kind of stick you could get. That was, um, that I think was a bit more faithful to the original controller, but those GameCube ones just are kind of awful. Um, and so the guy at the store just like had this big old, fit with me about like well these are the ones we put in all the 64s they're just as good as the original analog sticks and this is what all the like these other controllers use which is like the like third party aftermarket Nintendo 64 controllers and i'm just like all right dude i just was you know seeing if you had one with like the normal analog stick rather than this thing um and then so i i kind of stepped away for a moment just to Figure out if I wanted to actually um, get the 64 there or not. I looked at prices online and it was basically about 100 bucks for the 64 there. I was like, Yeah, this is probably about right. Um, I, I don't know 100% for sure, but basic, basically I just like browsed eBay or something and it seemed somewhat reasonable on pricing and then obviously I don't have to pay shipping and, you know, the unit's right there in front of me and, you know, get a limited warranty with it and things like that. So, yeah. So I got that sixty-four, um, and and I've been playing Indiana Jones in the Infernal Machine while I've been uh, testing it to make sure it works. Um, I did have a couple of issues with the, with the the thing, but I think that might be. I haven't tested around with other games, so I don't know if that's an issue with the 64 or or just like the cartridge contacts being dirty. So I cleaned out the cartridge contacts um, and and I spent about three hours with it. And at the very least, even though there's like graphical issues that I've had off and on. And I again, I don't know how much of it is the game itself, maybe the cartridge itself or things like that. Um, largely, it's been fine um, and it's been enough that I can play through the game without too much trouble kind of thing. Um, but it does, it does worry me a little bit about these kind of, um, I don't know. I feel like, uh, <laughs> I feel like continue to have trouble with my 64, even, even after I replace it. And then, uh, and then still having graphical issues from here and there. I'm like, I, I don't know where this issue is, or if there's like some kind of long-term issue with this hardware that that's not going to last super long. So even if I buy another used console, I'm still going to have issues kind of thing. Right. Um, so I don't know, but, uh, I'm going to spend more time with it. See if anything happens. Um, and, and then and after that, I don't think there's any real, like real aftermarket solution for the 64 that isn't like, you know, I think Hyperkin released some kind of 64 aftermarket solution. And, um, it, I think it's like basically like a software emulation. So it's not something I, I super personally have a lot of interest in. I'd rather... I'd rather struggle with original hardware that's like flawed than I would with like work with software emulation, probably on a 64, especially because I think this 64 uh, emulation is like notoriously hard or whatever. Uh, and then when I was there, I also got a copy of like Top Gun um, for the GameCube because it was cheap enough. I think it was like a, I think seven or eight bucks or something like that. And then uh, I also got some uh, digital novel for the PC um, or Super CD-ROM. It's called uh Yawada? Yawada? I don't know if this is based on an anime or something. It probably is. This guy on the back of the case, uh, it's like an old dude. I don't know how to explain him other than he's an old dude. Um, he uh, looks very familiar. He looks like somebody from some kind of anime somewhere. So, I don't know. I could be wrong about that, but I think it's like some based on some anime thing. Um, but, yeah, it just looks like a little silly little thing, so I picked that up. Also... <laughs> I don't know how much I want to talk about the beef I have with this store. In the past, I've also bought Super CD games from them before. And one time I chose one, like one version of a game over another because the case was better. And, um, and they got like really upset that I asked for the other case, um, or the one with the better case. I was like, can I get the one with the better case? Cause that's, you know, I care. Um, and then they're like, well, we'll just put in like an, a standard jewel case and it will be fine. And they're like, pulled out like a PlayStation style jewel case, which, you know, I, I want the original case put, preferably and then they're like no super cd games are just generic jewel cases and then i'm like if you don't know super cd games have like this like white kind of side to it instead so you know i don't know what these cases are if they are generic maybe they're used for a ton of other things but a playstation jewel case does not look like this and and i was just like can I just please have the case that's on it already rather than you start swapping it out. And then they're just like, got really upset at me and we're like, well, we have a better quality PlayStation case here that would fit this better. And I'm like, I just want this one. I don't care. It has a tiny crack in it. This is the one that looks like the other super CD games I have. I don't know much about the super CD, but I knew the other spines look like this, Uh, this like white, white kind of liney kind of thing. So I don't know. I'm like, all all fired up this episode (laughs) complaining (laughs) i'm sorry let's talk about indiana jones and the infernal machine that's a fun game um if you don't know indiana jones and the infernal machine i believe it's a blockbuster exclusive at least in the u.s if i recall correctly um i think you may have only been able to rent it at first and then eventually they sold their copies off which i made it i think made it kind of not really rare but i think it made it harder to find i don't know what the price is these days i think about five or six years ago i picked it up for like 35 dollars uh just the cartridge on its own Uh, And it's kind of like an action platformer. In a lot of ways, it feels a lot like Castlevania 64 in that they do ask you to do quite a bit with the platforming and then sometimes they ask you to also like do some combat on that type platforming, so it can it can make you feel a little uh, restricted in like how you can move around and like is, you can do fall damage if you fall off cliffs and stuff. So you got to be careful. Uh, the big thing though is that melee combat's not really a big thing in this game. They do give you melee options. Uh, they let you punch things. Uh, you can use, you, I, you can even use your you know the Indiana Jones whip. Uh, I even got a machete at some point. And like but the the, the melee options just aren't aren't great. Um, they're just, they're just kind of clunky and slow and they're they're not something you really want to use and your your standard revolver has infinite ammo so it just makes sense to just shoot people with the revolver and you also can pick up other guns as well and those have limited ammo but some of the some of the more powerful pistols um drop plenty of ammo so so it's like it's it's pretty easy for you to kind of build up an arsenal of weapons and then just kind of use those guns rather than have to resort to any kind of melee combat unless at some point in the game they take your guns away from you uh, but this game was originally a PC game, and uh, so the Nintendo 64 version is a port of that. And it does very much show, like, when you think of, like, the level design in a PC uh, game around this time, like, you know, the late 90s, um, it, it's definitely, I'd say that the level design's usually pretty dense, and I feel like there's not a lot of very clear signs of what you need to do in the environment a lot of times. Like, sometimes you'll need to whip across, like, a, a a cavern or something like that, and and just, like the the actual point points just not very visible so uh, so it's just kind of hard to tell what you're doing there and then also there's just like a lot of um kind of obtuse, obtuse puzzles at times like there's a there's a part of the dungeon where you have to or the, one of the uh, levels I did where you have to like basically fix this clock and you have to kind of go up and down this clock over and over and over again pulling different levers and things like that to start this clock up and then you have to pull this bell up on this other tower and then like pull this bridge out then you could send like the spinning statue across it would then smack the bell which when you smack the bell it would like open a door or something like that so it's just like these these kind of complicated puzzles and things like that so it feels very pc game like in that regard uh that i feel like a a game like ocarina of time or or even Castlevania 64 really wouldn't wouldn't approach the the levels with that kind of density in in terms of like overarching puzzle design i think ocarina of time is very much like individual level or individual room puzzles um that and you can think of like you know i think the water the the water temple in um ocarina of time is probably the the best like large-scale dungeon uh design I could think of in Ocarina of Time because you have to manage the water level to get around to different areas in that environment but this game it definitely feels like every every like puzzle is across multiple rooms you gotta go get various items and you gotta go find the right place to use those items and things like that sometimes it means you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the level to go do something and things like that so so it's a pretty pretty uh broad game in terms of exploration um And, and the platforming is a little finicky, or I I should say it's, it's it's probably a lot finicky, honestly, as somebody who spent a lot of time with these kind of early 3d platformers, I don't have too much trouble with it. Um, and the game's also very generous with the save system. So like there's, there's a quick save feature you can do at any point. Um, there's also a ton of checkpoints, so if you continue, um, you know, if you die, you pretty much continue like right before where you're at most of the time, or or a couple rooms back, or something like that. Um, so, so the game's very generous in that regard, and the platforming just—it's just some weird stuff with Indiana Jones and the ledges. I don't know if his name is Indiana Jones, his whole name. I don't know much about movies and stuff. Um, I know, I assume Jones is a part of his name. I don't know if Indiana is like a, his actual name or a part of a nickname. <laughs> um, anyways, but. Um, Um, So like there's these like ledge things like if you try to jump on a ledge, um, most of the time you can't jump on a ledge or or, like on a on a on a platform, Uh, you have to actually climb up it. So if you jump towards like a, a block that's like slightly higher, and even if you mostly get up there. Jones, or whatever his name is, Indiana Jones man, IJ, IJ, Mr. IJ is going to fall down. Uh, And then, but if you like walk up against the wall and are completely flat against it and press the A button, you like kind of climb up. So it's very precise within its controls and what you want to do, even more so than like Castlevania 64, probably. Um, I'd say it's probably maybe more finicky than Castlevania 64, but I could see the argument that it's just finicky in different ways than Castlevania 64 is. So I think it requires a lot of patience, but again... Very generous, safe system. So as long as you're okay with dying, um, I think it's definitely something you can you can work with um, and, and, and things like that. And it's actually got a really interesting um, kind of a, I guess, inventory management system because, well, maybe not interesting, but but basically like you assign all, all your items and weapons to the C buttons, and then you use the C buttons to take them out and assign them to your B button. So like if you put a revolver on the right C button, you take out your revolver, and then it's on your B button for you to shoot. And then if you want to put away your revolver, you press the right C button again, which then holsters the revolver. So it's just a lot a lot to its control scheme um, as well in that regard, because you're doing a lot of like item juggling and things like that. So I think a lot of people might view that as a negative, because it doesn't require you to kind of like switch around a bunch of stuff all the time. But I do like kind of the, I don't know, the presentation of you know, having like the rifle on Indiana or Jones's back or whatever. And then like basically pressing the button, which then gets him in a ready position with the rifle kind of thing. I I think there's like some charm to that. um, Personally, there's also a ton of voice acting in this game for a Nintendo 64 game. Do not expect that much voice acting, but very little actual audio in terms of music. I might look up the PC version and see if the PC version has music, or if that was like an artistic choice, or if that was a, oh god, the Nintendo 64 cartridge does not have much space choice, and we want to put all this voice acting in, so cut out the music <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, but you get the little cues, like whenever you do like a swing across the pit, you get the little kind of thing, when, or like jingle when Indiana swings across the pit. So yeah, those are video games. I played those. Um, and then other things I've been doing this week is also just kind of... Um, I, I grabbed a bunch of Nintendo promo discs that I had over the years. And I just kind of put them in my PlayStation 3 and just recorded like everything off of them. I don't know why I did that. I just kind of... like it was easy enough to do. So I just did it. And I also put them in my PC. That was the big thing is I want to put them in the PC and see if they had anything on them. I think a couple of them had some like wallpapers and things like that. I was able to grab off the disc. I got, I got a high resolution wallpaper of crystal from star Fox adventures. So if you need that, I got you the hookup. <laughs> um, and then some other stuff. I, I, I forget what else there is. It's like, I think Mario party wallpaper or something like that. Maybe I don't remember. Um, Anyways, so I did that, and that was kind of a fun little thing, so. Uh, in terms of news this week, there wasn't a lot that I wanted to talk about. The big one is uh, Neo: The World Ends With You, which, um, if you don't know what The World Ends With You, is a Nintendo DS game by Square Enix, uh, kind of like this, uh, I don't know, it's like, it's like set in day in like a modern day Shibuya or whatever, and it's kind of like a really, um, I don't know if punk aesthetic's the right word, it's a very... Uh, it's a very stylish game, I can say, at the very least. Very, very sharp angles, very, very, uh, you know, same Tetsuya Nomura made the character designs, and so the characters are like these really kind of lanky looking characters more so than like a kingdom arch or something like that it's it's got a it's got a nice look and a great soundtrack and it's also like a really interesting game on the nintendo ds because it made full use of both screens on the nintendo ds and um and so you had to play two characters at once once on one on each screen it was a little overwhelming i know a lot of people didn't like that but i personally found that to be very appealing i don't mind stuff to be overwhelming if the game at least you know, accommodates for that to be overwhelming. Like if they don't fully expect you to be perfect at everything, um, then I think that's perfectly reasonable to kind of overwhelm the player. Um, and, and and as long as it's like a fun, a fun, um, mechanic that you have and so as your your partner switched throughout the game you got different things you do on the top screen so you basically had different characters who had different needs and then at the bottom of the screen you had the main character and you just kind of played the main character by doing one thing or the other um and that's kind of been a big pain in the side with uh the world ends with you these nintendo ds specific mechanics that i think have really made it difficult for uh, them to port it onto other consoles um so anyways that's kind of what the world ends with you was if you haven't seen those before i'm guessing Probably if you're listening to this podcast, you know what it is. But, um, Neo The World Ends With You is the new game, finally. Like, it, seemed, it seems, like, way overdue. I feel like The World Ends With You was, like, 2006 or 2008, maybe? Some, somewhere within that range. Uh, so, it seems like something that should have happened a long time ago, because it was pretty well received. And I kind of had this, I, was, I don't know, it's like, it's like a 3D action game, um, and... You know, there's not, there's not a lot of details about how the combat works, but it looks like kind of like an arena fighter now kind of thing. Not, I don't know if arena fighter is the right word, but it's like a 3D action game. You're like, you in an arena kind of thing. And it looks like you have like multiple characters on, on screen at once. So you do have a bunch of partners in the arena as well, or at least one. Um, so it looks like they're kind of carrying you over some of those mechanics. But being on the Nintendo Switch and the PlayStation 4, I don't think you're going to get any real console-specific mechanics with that. Um, you know, it's got to work on a, on a, you know... <laughs> on a Pro Controller and a PlayStation 4 DualShock and Joy-Cons and all that stuff, or, and, you know, with a touchscreen and without a touchscreen. So, you know, that's just kind of the nature of of the Switch in general. It's like, I don't feel like, because there's so many, like, form factors you can play the Switch in, I think it limits what people can really do to make unique games, and then also, or at least unique control schemes with games, and then also, you know, given how things have gone with the world the of the and trying to bring that forward to other consoles, I think it would be, these, these days, it'd probably be uh, a little difficult to design that game for one or justify designing that game for one piece of hardware or at least in terms of long-term selling it kind of thing. So I think the, the kind of the thing I was surprised most was just when I saw this trailer, I didn't know if I wanted the game. And it's kind of a weird thing because I really like the world ends with you. I remember it being like my favorite Nintendo DS game for a very long time. I, I'd have to revisit my DS library and think if it's still my favorite Nintendo DS game. Phantasy Star Zero is probably that actually. Um, but it's still like one of the higher up ones for me. But the things that I like about The World Ends With You really comes down, or the things I remember liking about The World Ends With You, really comes down to the Nintendo DS specific aspect. So, um, kind of seeing that game again and with that aesthetic and then knowing that that's probably not going to be a part of that game anymore, it made me kind of like unsure if this is something I want yet. I guess I need to see more is the real thing. Like, I need to see how that battle system is going to work and how it's going to stand out, uh, rather than just being like a straightforward brawler kind of thing, right? Um... I guess I, I was—I I guess I expected to be a little more excited when I saw saw this game, but maybe it's just been too long, and then maybe it's also just because of like what the modern industry is. I know that they can't really do a lot of the stuff that I kind of liked about the original game, but you know, I still like the aesthetic of the game. I love the music of the game too, and I'm sure you know that's going to carry over. I will say, and this does not really bother me. This will not change how I feel about buying the game. Um, just, like, looking at the game, though, it it reminds me a lot of a Vita game. Um, it's very stylish in how it looked, you know, in terms of the character design and and things like that, but, like, a lot of it's, like, weirdly blurry and low-poly and and just kind of, I don't want to say ugly, because it might be a choice, right? Um, but it, it reminds me of, like, a game that's, like, trying to get close to what a PlayStation 3 game is, but is just falling short of that kind of thing. Um... So it just reminds me, like, what a Vita game looks like. And I, I'm not sure. It just does not look very visually impressive to me from a technical perspective. But again, like, from, a, from an aesthetic perspective, I think it works perfectly well. Um, so, I don't know. I, I'm interested in seeing more of that game. I think it comes out next year is what they're planning on right now. Um, whether or not I'm interested, I think... I think they ha- they haven't sold me yet, I guess, is the big thing. I, I need to see more. Um, you know, I I, I definitely... You know, if I had to buy it today, I probably would, um, not knowing anything. But if they show, like with how I felt with nier automata, is like the more they show the game, the less I care about it. Um, then maybe that will be, be how that turns out. But we'll see, we'll see. Anyways. That was the only news story I really had for this week. So, Thanks for coming. Uh, OneControlPort.com is the website. Uh, like I said earlier, um, I played a lot of Xenoblade Chronicles X this weekend so far. So, uh... I don't think you'll see any kind of coverage in that regard regarding Xenoblade Chronicles X. So I don't think we're going to talk about any newish games anytime soon, probably. And by newish, I just mean games I haven't, you know, talked about on the the, the podcast yet. So I think the real goal going forward at the moment is going to be just trying to move some of these projects forward that I had started, um, and and just kind of solidify some plans, especially for next year, because um, I I kind of this last month and a half just kind of turned into a fish and was like, Bleh, and then made like a bunch of casual reviews like good enough um, for better for worse uh so i think i think this this weekend i'm going to kind of focus on trying to get some of those projects moving forward and then see if we can figure out you know where where we need to go next in terms of creating a more featured content Um, i think there will be more casual reviews as well if you don't know um i talked about a little bit on Twitter. I was going to do a casual review for Billy Hatcher, but the more and more I was doing casual review, the more and more it felt like what I needed to do was create more, um, a more scripted video. And so I think it's probably going to end up being a full video for Billy Hatcher. I don't really want it to be a full video because it's going to be kind of a pain to work on right now. Um, just because I streamed the first half of that game. Um, I did get a lot of footage in the back half of the game, but is that enough to cover a whole review? I don't know, which might result in me having to play the beginning of the game yet again, just offline on my own, which I don't really want to do. Um, so we'll see, uh, Valkyria Revolution script. I got to look back at, you know, I, I kind of put it to the side six months ago. That script is what really messed up the, the back half of this year because I worked on it so long and never was able to find a solution for how I felt about, the, the structure of that content. And there could, it could be a point in time with, with the Valkyrie revolution script that I'm just like, I just got to cut my losses and move forward on this because you know, yeah, this may not transition well, but we got to talk about these things in some way kind of thing. And, and so it might be kind of a more disjointed review uh, about that. So that's definitely there. Um, yeah. I, I just kind to I got to kind of, I haven't really spent the time this weekend, but I need to spend the time to kind of figure out what we're going to do next and, and things like that. Um, in terms of what went up recently, we had the pickups video go up last week. It is kind of long. I wanted it to be shorter, but it came out to be another like 30, 40 minutes. I don't like how long they are. Um, let me know if they're too long for you as well. That'd be that'd be helpful feedback. If you don't mind them being as long as they are, then maybe I won't bother with it. Um, but I feel like maybe the pickups format isn't really working in the way I want it to work right now. So I might reconsider how to handle that. But I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit uncertain of what to do about that. Um, I do wanna talk about the games though in the in the pickups. I don't wanna just be like I got Yawada for the PC super C D. What is it? Don't know. There's an old man on the back <laughs> of the case. Um, so I don't really want it to just be that kind of thing, so yeah, uh, I think there's a family party. I, I should have checked before the podcast started, but I'm pretty sure there's a family party, uh, uh, casual review going up this week on Wednesday. Um, I will go back and edit this if that's not the case. Otherwise, assume this is this is real and not a fake fake news story that we're doing here. And uh, yeah, and then we'll see from there. We're still streaming Industrial Agent Operation Espionage. If you want to come by and check that out, uh, it's the progress has been real slow going. I enjoy that game a lot, but. Uh, it's been taking us a long time to move forward with it. So I'm hoping as time goes on, I get a better understanding how that game's worked, how to identify uh, the issues that I'm running into, and and knowing when I need to kind of uh, re reevaluate how I'm moving forward in a mission uh, so I don't spend an hour just kind of going around, poking around and being like, I don't know what I'm doing, um, and, and, and just kind of like, you know, overturning every stone to find out that I messed up the mission and can no longer move forward kind of thing, so... Yeah, anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlBoard.com is the website, and I hope you have a great week. Bye!